Hello and welcome to the Jacqueline Wilson Fan Club. I'm your host Maddie Campion and each episode I'm joined by a guest who revisits the Jacqueline Wilson book from their childhood and we have a big old nostalgic chat. Whilst we are discussing books for youngsters and chatting childhood just a heads up, this is not a podcast for kids. We might have some fruity language here and there so I wouldn't want to corrupt them okay? This episode, I'm joined by Chloe Petz, a stand-up who's appeared on lots of great things, including Fighting Talk, The Jonathan Ross Comedy Club, and Hypothetical. Do check her out. We're chatting best friends. For anyone who's never read the book or can't remember it, I'm not going to judge. Here's a little recap. It's about two chalk and cheese best friends, and told through the eyes of Gemma. She's a tomboy with two brothers and a love of football, and also a love of her best pal, Alice, who's very girly and from a rich, well-to-do family. When Alice's family relocate to Scotland, Gemma has to deal with school and life without her partner in crime, and also jealousy of Alice's new friend, Flora. There's also another storyline about a character called Biscuits, who appears in another Jacqueline Wilson book. Gemma doesn't like Biscuits at the beginning of the book, but she discovers that he's been through his own things, and is actually an alright guy, and they become good friends. But not best friends. That is a role exclusively for Alice. So welcome along, Chloe. Tell me, how did you find your reread of Best Friends? Oh, Maddie. Oh, it's good to be here talking about Jacqueline Wilson. I think this is a great idea for a podcast. Um, initially, I started reading this book and I was like, oh my God, this is so dead. Like, I'm 27 years old. Like, I, I've, I've read fucking James Joyce. Like, come on. And then two chapters in, I was enthralled and I read it really quickly because I was like oh my god I can't remember what happens next this is brilliant is she gonna be best friends with Alice is she gonna be nice to this fat boy biscuits you know is her granddad gonna find love um and I, and I was fully engrossed did you get back any memories of when you read it yeah I got back once I, I got back vague memories I was like oh yeah, yeah I remember biscuits I remember fat Larry um but the thing that I remembered is on like page, maybe 30, what page was it? Um, anyway, it doesn't really matter what page it was. But it was, she references Timbuktu. And I remember reading this in year five. And that was the first time I ever heard of Timbuktu. And it was just really funny to be able to like trace like a word back that is now like you know, quite comfortably part of my lexicon. Like, I yeah. wouldn't say I say Timbuktu too often. Well, I don't know, Chloe. I've I've heard you say it about three times already, this podcast. So. <laughs> I just go around under my breath like Timbuktu, Timbuktu. Yeah. No, but that yeah. is it, isn't it funny to be able to, like, know where you learned a word? I think, yeah, it's a pretty amazing thing. I, there's a lot of words in this. That I, when I was rereading it, I was quite surprised at how... It wasn't. It wasn't dumbed down, you know. Like she uses some pretty, pretty long words. Does uh, Gemma in her? In yeah, her she book. does. She's she's smart, Gemma. Yeah, yeah. And whenever I, whenever I think of like a child, I'm like, there's no way they'd know that word. And apart from the word Timbuktu, I feel like I probably understood all of this book when I read it. But I think uh, I think the thing is, is like it's also interesting if you want to get super literary about it, it's interesting what Jacqueline Wilson is doing with her narrator because it's like, you know, how how reliable is her narrator? <laughs> do, do you know well, what how, I mean? Like, it's like... Yeah. A, you, you can hear the voice of Jacqueline Wilson coming through her protagonist. Yeah. Like... Uh, she, how, how reliable would you find Gemma? I find Gemma very reliable, but sometimes I do think she speaks like a 60-year-old woman. That's that's not untrue, and she also likes china dolls and baking cakes. Yeah, so, I, I would say that like for a modern novel about a modern child, it often does read like the the moral values and events of like an Enid Blyton novel, which I would imagine would be sort of Jacqueline Wilson's one of Jacqueline Wilson's reference points. Yeah, it, it, I wonder how populist book is today because like some of the reference points are quite old like the fact that they don't have mobile phones and there's something else i thought well that's that's age oh videoing where 
Gemma's like, Grandad, can you video Fat Larry for me? Like, that's... <laughs> Try yeah. to explain that to her children. Would that have been... So this came... The reason I remember that this came out in year five, Maddie, is because um, I actually queued in Blue Water for eight hours to get Jacqueline Wilson to sign my copy. Well, I hope you still have that copy. Because that is, that is, and I would, I would queue eight hours. I'm so jealous. Everyone's met Jacqueline Wilson apart from me. I've met Jacqueline uh, Wilson twice, my dude. All right. First, uh, first time was at Blue Water. And what happened is I, I queued for eight hours, got it signed. And I remember, um, I remember like wearing, specifically wearing this jumper, um, which had like a number on it. It was like a proper like. Gap classic or something like that, like from Next or something. When everything used to just say like established nineteen ninety two. Yeah, like established the classic. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I didn't wear like a t shirt under it and I'm not sure why, so I just got really fucking hot. And then I remember that I'd worn that jumper because I wanted to look most like a Jacqueline Wilson protagonist because I thought, Oh, yeah. oh my god, she's gonna see me and then she's gonna cast me as like the next Tracy Beaker in something else. It didn't happen. But I tried. We we don't know that, Chloe. Have you read every single one of Jacqueline Wilson's book? What? And you think that I could get cast as someone in the future? I think not necessarily. Like, yeah, I reckon. I reckon you stand chance. But also, like, there might be a book character. She saw someone wearing a t-shirt. And she thought, not a t-shirt, a jumper, and she thought, what? This she, girl, she wrote. This girl deserves to be known. She oh. might have done that, Chloe. That is a, such a childlike dream, though. That like, oh, like I. You just sort of think, oh, someone's going to see me and they're going to be like, yeah, this is, this is, this is a star. Like, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I just have to be there and, and, and meet them for two seconds and my personality will shine through. But you did, you did sometimes hear stories of that. Like, you know, Richard Curtis was casting for something and he couldn't find anyone. And then he walked into a room and saw this boy and was like, you're the perfect boy. But like that was is what we would hear as like little working class aspirational children but we forgot that all of the things around Richard Curtis meeting that boy included him having very rich parents that were also friends with Richard Curtis <laughs> yeah a, a very necess- a necessary aspect to get in a room with Richard Curtis I'd imagine um I I think there's a similar as well like a lot of guys that I know um and maybe girls as well that are adults believe that they could still be spotted as footballers. And I don't know if Gemma, I don't know if Gemma believes this, that like they just think like they could walk through the park. Someone could be like, Hey mate, could you kick the ball back? And then they kick it back. And then someone's like, Oh my God, you kick that so well. Can you come to our tryout for Man United tomorrow? And that thing, next thing. My mate Hannah, who I went to school with, used to tell me a story that really made me laugh where when her mum was a teenager, she used to sing in the shower with the window open in case a music producer walked past. That, that is how pop stars get noticed, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Imagine someone just popping through, just going, you've got a lovely voice. It'd have to be really lovely, wouldn't it? I'm going to make you a star. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to risk getting arrested. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to purple in your shower just to tell you that you deserve to be a, be a superstar. Maddie, can I tell you about the rest of the times I met Jacqueline Wilson? Oh, yeah, yeah, I need to know. One of them wasn't, like, as interesting. That one, I think my mum, like, bought tickets for us to go to, like, a reading of... I can't remember, even remember what book it was, and a Q&A. And then you queued up and you got to meet her again. And then... Um, so mum, mum had met Jacqueline Wilson twice because she took me. And mum told me about six months ago... She was walking through the concourse at Victoria Station and saw Jacqueline Wilson, and um, and was like, "Oh, should I say hello? Should I, should I bother her or not?" And Mum went over and then sort of explained these couple of times that she, that we met her and like how important she'd been to to me as a child. And I just thought it was so sweet that like she had this lovely Aww. conversation with Jacqueline Wilson, who is by all accounts absolutely delightful. Yeah, no, I've not. You've never heard anyone, and she's she's not on Twitter ruining her legacy uh so yeah i think um well actually interestingly funny you should say about ruining legacies there's one point where she starts slagging off harry potter 
The in Best Friends. In Best Friends, yeah. It's when. Um, will you have done a synopsis of this at the beginning, Maddie? I will do a synopsis because I I missed that part, but I think I was just just a tiny bit. So basically, like it's talking about when when her and Biscuits are doing their Fat Larry um, performance for the, for the class. Um, she goes. Jacqueline Wilson goes. There were a lot of like. Michael Owens and David Beckham's and lots of people being Harry Potter from his snooty wizarding world or something. And I was like, Jack, Jackie's ahead of the curve. She knew that JK was going to turn out to be a transfer. She, <laughs> she knew it. She knew it. How fun does that Fat Larry sound? Really fun. Really fun. I feel like we need to get that commission. I had to Google this because I was like, is Fat Larry a real, a real like Y2K character that probably... <laughs> maybe died really young and, and, never, and I was like is there going to be a real tragic element to this podcast no he's not real uh, um, can I ask you actually on the subject of this Maddie what did you think about um how fatness was dealt with in this book I do you know what that is one of the things where I'm kind of like oh this is where things can be like not quite like this is it's it's, it's a very interesting because I I thought reading about also about how Alice eats or how she isn't eating I'm like this is all quite like it's sort of I suppose showing that you know emotional problems and stuff but there's a lot of different aspects of food and I'm like oh now I've got an adult mind uh would this everything and how they deal with food in this book is it healthy I I think it's a good question to raise I think that, yeah, food is used as a symbol of um, prim and properness versus wildness and um, excess and masculinity, actually, because Gemma eats and eats and eats to the point that she's sick. And then Alice is very sort of prudish and more reserved in the way that she eats. And and that's used as a symbol to show that their binary difference of Gemma is a tomboy, Alice is a prim and proper girl. I think that's problematic. Um, yeah. But but I think that Jacqueline Wilson does that in a lot of her books where, like, people are types. So Gemma is, yeah, a symbol of this sort of, like, quite wild tomboyishness, which tends in the narrative to be favoured. And Alice is more, like, a direct opposite of that. Yeah, to, to sort of... yeah, that's a, a very good analysis. But then, I also sorry, yeah. no, no, you carry on. Well, you I was just going to say then that that's problematic. But initially, when I read about all of the biscuits bit, where he's this fat boy that gets called fat and that's used as an insult, I then th- thought that there was quite like a a nice narrative that followed, like a a redemption narrative almost of like he was the nicest boy in the book and his family were lovely and they used food in possibly a problematic way as well because it was like a reward and it was used to like show love and care and their fatness was like part of their jolliness and stuff like that so again it was quite like an archetypal portrayal of fatness but he was never called like um anything other than delightful like his his fatness wasn't and he wasn't so it wasn't framed like he he's delightful despite being fat like there there isn't any aspect of that yeah. yeah i think actually it's interesting you bring up food because some of the biggest things that i remember about reading jacqueline wilson books was the descriptions of food or cooking yeah. and i didn't know if that was just me because i love food and i'm always like i want to eat, eat everything but that is a very astute observation uh and the cover itself yeah. It's got cakes and biscuits all over it. And I think that, like, you could often do that with a Jacqueline Wilson novel where, like, Nick Sharrett is obviously going through picking out the themes and the fact that, like, the themes, it's, the, it's like a, a road um, winding round. There's a picture of Gemma in the bottom corner, a picture of Alice in the top corner. There's a road winding round of, of Gemma trying to get to Alice and then just loads of fucking cream cakes everywhere. Which yeah. is, sh- yeah, thematically. Makes like, you hungry. Makes you hungry. That Now, that if if there's... I don't think I've ever heard better at literary analysis, Maddie. <laughs> Makes you hungry. <laughs> Makes you hungry. <laughs> Makes you hungry. Go get some food. 
We actually, so we grew up half an hour away from each other, me, me and Chloe. So we probably had very similar childhoods. Well, not very similar because I, I lived in a nicer place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Where were you, uh, Jen? I was in Canterbury, which yeah. I wasn't in a particularly nicer part of, I mean, Kent is, it's just up and down, but there's more history in Canterbury than Folkestone. I'm sitting born. You're sitting born? Yeah. Darn it. I'm so sorry that I I just lumped you in with... With all the Folkestone lot. With the Folkestone lot. Uh, so, do you, did you, do you feel like Best Friends does resemble the childhood that you had? Or was it something... When you read it, was it an escapism? Or was it just, you know, let's have another look of life? Or, oh yeah, this is, this is me and my experience. I actually think that I don't know what I think I read Jackie and Wilson because like I was um, I loved the uh, the adults said that I was like a reading child so I felt like I, I had to read to like live up to that expectation of like being like an intelligent bookworm child so I think I sort of just read them more out of like um, because of, of expectation but I, I did also love them. This one feels a bit different. Best Friends feels a bit different to like her usual stuff. Like it's not as gritty. It's more like um, quite middle class with the central problem being like lost friendship. Um, so I don't know. I didn't have a very gritty childhood. So maybe I could relate to this one slightly more. And the other one seemed somewhat more salacious to me, maybe. It, yeah, I feel like the other books were a lot grittier, but I think what was interesting, I don't know about you, because I've, I, Kent is one of those places where there's not a lot of people, so you, uh, unless you go to a private school, you do get exposed to like a lot of rough people, and I, I remember sort of like growing up and being conscious that there were like kids in my class that were probably living the very, like, that they were the protagonists of a Jacqueline Wilson book. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it is, it's, it's not really that dark. Did you, so did you have a childhood best friend and do you have a best friend now? Uh, I didn't super have a childhood best friend. I found it quite like hard to, I think I really wanted like an intense best friendship, which was like the one described in this book where, they're inseparable and like they love each other so much and have these like um you know shared birthdays and stuff like that um I think I always wanted that but like I thought I wanted that but I actually didn't I was quite a lone wolf so I had like pocket I had I had lots of friends but I didn't have like a specific best friend um until maybe secondary school um and now I have like I would say I probably have like five or six people I would call like my best friend, and then three or four who would be like my best best friend. You know, the one that the one that you the ones that you will have sleepovers with, and yeah, your mum, your mum will be like your mum be like, I'm so glad they've come round. I'm so glad they've come round. Please don't it, chunder a lasagna onto them. It is, fa- I feel there is something quite fascinating about how everything sort of like if society isn't asking you to be in like a romantic relationship it does expect you to have like a best friend i think that's good though but i i quite like having I, what i'm saying chloe is i don't have a best friend and it feels and is this what i feel this neglected is you're auditioning people for the role oh. of your best friend yeah and i've got to be honest chloe you, you failed oh for fuck's sake <laughs> Well, I've already got three or four, so... Yeah, you've got enough, that's... Yeah, that's... No, but but I, I think, for, for me, it's more like... um, It's nice to have, like, lots of friends because one person can't do everything for you. you no, know? and it's hard... You shouldn't expect anyone to do. Precisely. So, yeah, I feel like it's good to have, like, a, a spread of best friends, but also, like, value those relationships as much as you would a romantic relationship. That is... Yeah, I think friendships should all be prioritised over romantic relationships unless certain maybe combine them both i don't know i'm i'm just big on big on big on having friendships uh so how much did you have in common with Gemma? um i'm guessing correct me if, if i'm wrong 
you're more like Gemma in this book than you were like Alice. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's probably why like, I liked Jacqueline Wilson because she wrote Tomboys amazingly. And yeah. I was 100%. I know that Tomboy is a problematic word, but like I'm just using the word that would have been applied to me and Gemma in our youth. Um, and... Yeah, I, th- I th- I, yeah, I was a massive Gemma in that, like, I I didn't want to wear a dress. There's a scene in this where, like, she, her mum forces her to wear a, a yellow dress and it's mortifying for her. And, like, I've definitely had experiences in the past where, like, I've had to turn up in something that I do not want to wear and just feel so uncomfortable in my own skin and in this thing that I'm wearing at a party. Like, that, that really resonates for me. Um, and also the thing that resonates for me is, like, I feel like what Jacqueline Wilson is also amazing at doing is like revering children and like respecting their inner life as something that's like as important as the inner life of an adult because like a lot of times children are like not considered or cared about it's like you know um seen not heard kind of thing and I think what's great about Gemma's character is that like you get the explanations of why she behaves in the way that she behaves it's like on the outside you know she's chundered up a lasagna or she's thrown a cake in Flora's face and on an outside the adult could just go you're awful you're nasty you're 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 a naughty girl when actually Jacqueline Wilson is presenting us with like all of her reasonings and the frustration and the anxiety and the inability to like express herself through words so she just like does this act that she can't she knows is wrong but she can't seem to help and I feel like I really related to that because I think I was like very very sort of like anxious child that had like this kind of rich interior life but I didn't have the words to explain it so sometimes I would act out just to sort of get the attention that I needed uh, but wouldn't be able to explain that to my parents so that that was what most reson- resonated with me. Do you have an example of a time that you you acted out when you could express your feelings and you did something quite dramatic? Uh, I can't think of anything super dramatic I, I would just sort of like cry and have a massive tantrum and my parents would be like what's going on why are you being such a horror like you can't watch the bill tonight you have to go to bed um you uh, never tried to run away i think i tried to run away once oh yeah oh, this is actually like a very jacqueline wilson thing to have happened because i sort of had all of this like probably you know if we're unpacking it like this gender stuff as a child that you, you would never sort of apply that language to as a child or whatever. But I used to have this pair of denim shorts that I was so attached to. And I remember it was because I thought they made me look like a boy. And one day my mum threw these denim shorts away. And obviously I didn't have this sort of like language to express why these denim shorts were so important to me. Because I just felt so comfortable in them. And I remember like howling and like wouldn't stop until my mum fished them out of the bin and like washed them again and I definitely threatened to run away but what we had like a little porch area so all I'd do is just like pack a small bag and then just go and sit in the porch and pretend I'd run yeah that's a porch is a a great place to did you ever run away Maddie well okay so my bedroom window (laughs) I was like I'm gonna run away and my bedroom window so our porch area, luckily it had a flat roof. That's how you know it wasn't a fancy porch. <laughs> <laughs> and it, uh, it, my window was, bedroom window was just above it. And I jumped. Onto was like, the I got in a real big strop and I was like, I'm running away. I was in my pajamas and I just sort of jumped out the window and onto the porch roof. That's naughty, and then Maddie. It was, and I couldn't get off it. And like <gasps> people were walking past in the streets, sort of looking at me, and it was like summer, so. It might have been like 8pm, but it was broad daylight still. Yeah. So people were just sort of like laughing at me while my dad tried to sort of like pull me back up. <laughs> he was like, oh. He was, was he angry happy. at you? Yeah, he was angry. But That's I think he also... jumping out a window. Yeah, I mean, it was like, it wasn't like a big drop. It was like a meet. It was, it was too, it was, it was like a big enough drop. That it wouldn't, I wouldn't have been injured. And I thought that I'd be able to jump from the porch roof onto the bins. Right. Um, I just, I, I thought, oh yes, yeah, this is my escape. But I hadn't actually thought about how 
Like, I hadn't put any... I'd thought about how I could escape, but I hadn't thought about packing anything. Yeah. Hadn't thought about uh, wearing anything that wasn't pyjamas. Much like Gemma and Alice when they run away. Like, they didn't pack anything, they just put 15 quid in their pocket and thought they were rich. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would 15 quid would go far in the early 2000s, to be fair to them. I mean, if it was enough to get them some sweets and to London. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Maddie, uh, that sounds that that does sound hardcore when you jumped out the window. I I thought the end of the story was going to be I I ran away and I haven't seen my parents since. <laughs> <laughs> there was also there was also like a hedge like in our garden that like separated the neighbour's garden, and my brother one day got a pair of scissors and like cut a hole inside it, so it was like a hiding place. And one time I hid there for a while waiting for my parents to be like where's maddie oh no we've lost our lovely daughter oh no oh no and like hear them crying and then i'd be like don't worry guys i've returned (laughs) but that's that's the funny thing about like children's perspective on time is that you never leave it long enough to actually make anyone care no they were just happy to have me out of the house for like 10 minutes (laughs) yeah you you've gone for 10 minutes and you're like everyone's gonna be absolutely fucking traumatized and you get back and i was like oh hey there was like there was an incident, though, a very Jacqueline Wilson incident in my childhood where my brother... Like, there used to be something called the Bluebell Walk, which was, like, a charity fundraiser um, for, like, this charity that my parents volunteered at where you'd go for a walk in the Bluebells. I don't know. In the I mean, the Bluebell Walk, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. And then everyone would go and have, like, a, a, a meal afterwards. There'd be, like, a buffet. And um, so it was just someone's house that was put on. It was very nice. Anyway, one time, my brother and his friend... And who's also like my good friend's older brother. They were like 12, 13, so they got to go off on their own and they didn't follow the signs. And so it got to like five hours later and everyone's like, Shit. Where are they? Where are they? And um, it turned out they'd like, they jumped in the wrong field, they got chased by sheep. Um, they were like in the middle of nowhere. And luckily, because Kent's so small, some random person that worked with my dad drove past and was like, Joe Campion? And then drove them back. <laughs> That's so Kentish. I yeah. remember. I remember when I was like early teens. My brother would have been mid-teens. He, him, and his mates went for a bike ride, and they got lost and didn't know where they were. And they called up my mum, and couldn't sort of like work out. They were trying to sort of work out where they were. And my brother went to my mum. Oh, I'm by a big tree. And my mum just went. Oh, I know where you are. You're in Bregga. And I was just like, what? What, like, such a mum skill for your son to say, I'm by a big tree, and you know exactly what big tree he means? <laughs> M- mother's intuition, Chloe. Yeah, yeah, and she was just like, oh, you're in Breaker. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be there in a sec. Did you have any other, like... So so you've got brothers, or a brother? One brother, yeah. One brother. Uh, how do your brother compare to... So the character has two brothers in this. Yeah. Got Callum and Jack. Callum uh, and Jack J- were, were actually really nice and really cool, weren't they? in this book they were cool yeah I, I did feel like Jack was described as maybe like the precursor to an incel but <laughs> he, he is quite like when I looked at him the illustration of him Nick Sherry's illustration um, initially he looks like every sort of like trendy Shoreditch boy he really does he's in, like in these tight black jeans a tight black toe polo neck and he's got yeah. that like sort of like you know that straight uh, fringe yeah the, the little mini fringe thing um but i thought he was quite nice and all right Callum yeah i thought it's nice lovely. and they bit... they they seem to sort of like understand that like Gemma was going through a rough time and they were rather than like telling her off they were like giving her an ice cream or get, you taking know, her out for a, yeah taking her out for a, for a mcdonald's yeah yeah good brothers my brothers have never taken me out for a mcdonald's did you argue a lot, you and your brothers? So me and my older brother, we did argue a lot. He was really... He, my older brother was like... He once... So when I was little, he... I had like all this... I got all this secondhand... It wasn't even Barbie. It was like off Barbie uh, stuff. Like a big doll's house. And I was so excited. And um, he, he ripped up bits of brown paper and put it in the Barbie toilet. Which was very traumatic as a child to really suggest traumatic. that to suggest that Barbie would poo. Um then he also would like tell me, Oh yeah, when you're older I'm gonna put drugs in your tea. 
Um, <laughs> that was so nasty. Yeah. But my younger brother was just like an angel. He's like this little... He's just... Yeah, he was a golden boy. Um, not anymore. He's like... He's just a bit of a bum now. But back back in the day... Golden was, boy. But yeah. My brothers actually remind me of Callum and Jack in this book quite a lot. My brother. Sorry. Did I say brothers? Brother. Yeah, but don't worry. You can have more than one if you want. My, my brother and my imaginary brother. My brothers. <laughs> um, no, so, so Peter, like always looked out for me and i was talking about peter pets peter pets pp what a name yeah i was talking about this the other day actually that at one point uh like peter and i were at the same school in primary school and it gave me a lot of like social sway because a i had a brother that could beat anyone up if they were mean to me and b like the trends that would be set in year six would get to me in year four a lot quicker than everyone else. So I sort of like broke Beyblades onto the year three, four playground. So I think that gave me quite a bit of social sway. But Peter, like, during my teenage years, like, proper would look out for me. Like, I drank a bottle of... When I was 16, like, I drank a bottle of, uh, like, vodka from my parents' alcohol drawer. And I wasn't allowed to drink, but he was. And he took the blame and said that he did it. Oh, wow. Which was really good of him. Yeah, my um, brother would not do, have done that for me. Yeah, and my brother like looks out for me even now. Like, um, like uh, I was, I did a TV thing and I mentioned sitting born in quite like a negative way, and it sort of what like went off on the sitting born gossip forum, which I found Amazing. really funny. But all of these people that I hadn't seen for many years were coming out of the woodwork, going like, "Oh, Chloe, don't worry about what people are saying about you on the sitting born gossip forum." And I was like, "Well, I'm not." I wasn't worried, but because I didn't know that. But thank you for telling me that they've said awful things about me. But then my brother found out about it and sort of like came in and was really angry and really worried. And he was like, "Do you want me to go on there and like sort everyone out?" And I was like, "Obviously, just leave it." But it was just nice that Peter was still sort of wanting to like yeah. beat my bullies up for me. I love, I love that. He's a good guy. A good guy I want to find well. this uh, sitting board gossip website. Now. <laughs> Yeah, they just didn't like that I slagged off off Sittingbourne. Um, um, well, if they don't like it, they maybe they should make Sittingbourne a better place, eh? Yeah, suck it. <laughs> suck it, bitch. Maybe this, this podcast is now going to appear on the Sittingbourne Gossip Forum. <laughs> well, um, as long as they subscribe, that's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All, all, for me, all publicity is good publicity. Uh, so, Alice... Uh, moves away to scotland mm-hmm. uh did you so were you a kid that ever what w- did you ever have friends that moved away and you went and like kept in touch with them or were did you ever transfer schools or anything i didn't transfer schools there was this girl called chloe also chloe also very tall who moved to new york and we vaguely kept in touch but then we didn't um and i also ha- there was also this girl who was daughter of a family friend who lived in Austria and we would sometimes call each other on the phone and spend like £25 on a 10 minute call and then get told off by our parents and I wrote her letters sometimes I but I, I wanted to move away I always wanted to move to Australia uh, when did that dream when did that dream finish well, when I realised it probably wasn't going to happen and I actually quite liked my school, but that was because my parents like floated the idea that my dad might do a sabbatical in Australia. Um, oh, and I also had the same thing of, you know, when I wore my jumper to Jacqueline Wilson because I wanted to get cast in something, I was like, oh, if I move to Australia, I'll definitely be casting Neighbours. Like 100%. I mean, you, you, should, you should, you could still, Chloe, I believe in you. Thank you. Um... I don't know if I'd I'd be thrilled. I mean, I moved to we moved to Manchester when I was a teenager. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah. For how long? Yeah. Uh, basically, until I until I was. Um, I, well, this is the thing that my parents they went up. My dad's from Liverpool, and he was like, "Oh, I'm getting, I've got a job in Manchester. We're going up." And then he was like, "You know what? The north is really cold," <laughs> and, and and got a job back down south. And so they kind of left me there, and then I, I went to... On your own? Yeah. <laughs> they let the but I, I finished sixth form. Yeah, but I'd finished sixth form at this point. 
Oh right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, I was. Oh, I was, I was a, they just left like a thirteen-year-old. No, 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 no. They'd finished. I'd finished sixth form. They and then were I, the ones that ran away. They jumped out onto the porch window. I was like, "See you, Maddie." Yeah. <laughs> no, at this point I was at DJ school. You went to DJ school? No, it was um, everyone that went to. It was like this music course, and everyone that did it turned into DJs. So. Oh, okay, right, right. I'd like to think it was DJ school. Oh, Maddie, imagine you as a DJ. I mean, maybe we won't have to imagine it. Do you, is that an aspiration of yours? No, it really isn't. But you'd be such I'd, a funny DJ. <laughs> Everyone just be there dancing, and like I'd change the song, and they'd be like, "This, that's not how you blend music." <laughs> yeah, like, you just skip, skip yeah. on Spotify. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like a, a, a primary school DJ would be like, "Right, kids, if you like this song, give me a cheer," and then you know they'd. They were so basic, and that's the kind of DJ I'd be. And then, like, at chucking out time, you play Leave Right Now by Will Young. Yeah. Get everyone or, uh, one last slow dance, but, like, yeah. you're doing a hint. Yeah, got to end and got to end on Mr. Brightside, I think. Do you reckon? I think that gets everyone pumped and hyped up and not and, like not in the mood for going home. Yeah, and that's why, I, that's why I'm... The DJ, Chloe. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll leave that with you. Uh, I. It's interesting that Alice... So there's definitely economic divide between Alice's background and Gemma's background. And I like that, as a reader, you're conscious of it, but the characters aren't, because I think that definitely when you're a kid, you are... You have friends that are definitely richer than you. And it's never, it's only an issue when you become an adult having friends that are richer than you and you're like, oh man, can we not eat at this restaurant? Mm. Um, so I think that that's, did you have friends that were like loaded when you were a kid? Not really. It was more when I went to uni that it became an issue and like all these private school kids started doing stuff that I wasn't able to, to do. Um, but I think that in the book, like, Gemma, although she doesn't have like an explicit awareness of it, she refers to like, you know, there's the whole narrative the of big Alice's house, mum yeah. being like snooty and like aspirate, like aspirational in terms of class and stuff, and wanting Fra- what, Francesca something something to be yeah. Alice's best friend instead of of Gemma. So, Her, so Alice's mum, Alice's mum can stone cold bitch. She really is. I did you. Have anyone whose mum wouldn't let you be friends with them? No, I was, I was, I was a mum flat. I was charming as fuck, Maddie. I I remember some kids that my mum was like, I don't want you being friends with them because she knew that they were. Your mum said that to you. Yeah, there was a, there was a couple <gasps> of people, and like the kids were really, really. The parents, really? I think, I think the dad was really sleazy. I don't mm. know, and uh, and I think. The kids and I remember her being invited to her birthday party. My mum was like, "No, you're not going." And I can't. I, this is a thing that your, your your parents will say you're not going, but they won't explain why. And I'll probably ask her yeah. now. And they'd be like, "Oh yeah, the parents were like drug dealers or something." He was in Perv or something. Yeah, yeah. It seems yeah. a shame that the, the the children it gets taken out on the children. Like maybe you could have had that child round for dinner at yours, rather yeah. than to the drug dealers. Dinner. I think the kid was a bit haywire. Um, and then they left, but yeah, no, maybe I'll ask my parents because I remember that there was the one. There was this one person in our childhood that my parents were like to my brother, stay away from him. Hmm. He wasn't a child; he was like a young adult. But in our community, he, he lurked. He lurked, and I just thought it was because like he he had bad vibes. Yeah. Um, turned out when I questioned them more recently about it, it was because he was a paedophile. <gasps> <laughs> well, yeah. If anyone like over the age of 18 is trying to hang around with children then they're a pedo come on yeah that's the definition uh, of the word yeah so i was just like sometimes sometimes parents have got the right thing but i don't think alice's mum alice's mum was horrid she was and also the fact that she was so horrid that they had to hide the fact that Gemma was coming to visit yeah yeah how do we feel about flo Flora. Flora. I don't know why I just refer to her as Flo as if like we're best mates. <laughs> um, I didn't like Flora, but I wasn't meant to. Like that was the whole point, wasn't it? That you're uh, that she's this horrid girl that's trying to muscle in on Gemma's best friend Alice. And like, 
she there was clearly like a class thing going on there where Alice was like bowled over by how beautiful and well dressed um, Flora was and was trying to sort of like live live up to it and show off to her and then when Gemma arrives and is like trying to play make believe and stuff um, it's um, it's not encouraged and also Flora like was horrid where she tried to cut Gemma's cake which she'd made for, for her and Alice to cut like that was nasty and just like she was trying to get Alice to laugh at Gemma all the time like I don't I don't think Gemma was ever trying to get Flora to uh, Alice to like be horrid to Flora um, whereas whereas Flora wanted wanted Alice to be ho- horrid to Gemma I, I, yeah I agree I, it's interesting because that you there's a lot of jealousy from the get-go as soon as you hear about Flora uh, and you wonder whether those reasons for being jealous are like like there's a lot of negativity and you wonder whether that negativity is because of jealousy and then yeah 100% Flora, like Gemma and then, was obviously je- jealous but she's a kid like she just doesn't yeah. know how to and then Flora proves Gemma, Gemma right doesn't she yeah. Have, we, yeah do you remember experiencing jealousy as a kid yeah yeah I remember um, I was thinking about this recently actually probably because I was reading this book but for for a brief spell I had a best friend in year six and we went to see Gillingham play football together. And then in the car ride home, I did something to annoy her. And then she just stopped talking to me. And it was really heartbreaking and really difficult. Because I remember sort of like trying to get her to speak to me, but she just wanted, she just ignored me. And then told me that I'd done this annoying thing or whatever in the car. And then I remember like going to secondary school the next year thinking maybe maybe we could rekindle our best friendship and she just she just went off with a different group of friends and it was quite sort of hard. Wow. And I remember that being like um my first feeling of jealousy. But I think I was able to like I think of it now as quite like a formative useful experience to me of just being like oh sometimes people don't like you, you just have to get over it. Yeah. And then I bet she's one of them people on the uh <laughs> the same forum. <laughs> I used to be best friends with her one time. She ended our friendship. Uh, I think though, yeah, those sort of things. I I never had any. I never had anything quite like that. But I do remember sort of being sort of ha- being rejected socially. Yeah. By people that like, you know, sort of people being like, actually, now I want to be friends with this group of people now, and I'd just be like, meh their loss and it was only when you get socially rejected as an adult that you're like oh shit maybe it is me (laughs) i think you're quite a confident person though maddie well i i think i'm very extroverted you're quite like just take me as i am if you don't i think yeah i don't have enough respect for other people maybe if you don't like that then bog off (laughs) yeah get with the program (laughs) (laughs) write about it on sitting born gossip yeah absolutely um, I feel like we're probably we've probably recorded quite a lot. I've just double checked. Um, yeah, so I don't want to um, take can too I, much of your time. Can I just um, say a few more things? That yes, t- say out. everything that you want to say. I'll, yeah, say everything okay. that you want to say. So, on page twenty nine, Gemma watches Tracy Beaker. Oh my god! How crazy is that? Cause it's that like, is mad. It's like an it's like um an interesting blurring of lines of like the Jacqueline Wilson, Wilson universe and reality. Slash it is, is just slash she's just shamelessly trying to promote her own TV series in her own book. <laughs> Do you think she originally said that they were watching like Biker Grove? And then she didn't get the the clearance, or she was just like, "No, fuck it, this show's great. Don't I'm great." Tracy Beaker. Not yeah. watching Tracy Beaker. But then I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if in the TV series Tracy Beaker, one of the characters was reading Best Friends, and then in reading Best Friends, found out that they were fictional? That would that would both be that would be I fe- I reckon if that happened, it would be it it would be. Right. Come on, use your I'm gonna have to say again. Right, okay. If that happened, it would be better a concept than Inception. <laughs> and yet, yeah, Jacqueline Wilson would not get the critical acclaim or applause that she 
or any of the accolades that she deserved with coming up with that. It's it's crazy. It's crazy times. Um, the other That's thing, really... the other thing in relation to that, that I then picked up was on page fifty five. So basically, there's part of the plot where Gemma and Alice run away and they decide to put on disguises, and in running away they get asked by an adult if they're okay and accidentally refer to each other by their real names so they decide to um to give themselves code names Gemma gives herself the code name Michael because of Michael Owen she loves football she loves Michael Owen and they just they are are wondering what uh, Alice's nickname is going to be and she's the the wig that she has on as her disguise is something that's described as a wig that was used during a Chinese dance that she did at ballet. So then at, Gemma then says, well, you're wearing a Chinese wig. Maybe your code name should be Chinese. And then a couple of paragraphs pass and she goes, oh no, maybe you don't look Chinese. Maybe you look like Justine from Tracy Beaker. So your code name should be Justine. And I was like, oh, that's very, very racist. <laughs> the fact that firstly, you look they say and you look you look Chinese and then you're like oh no you just look sort of generically mixed race like this girl from so, so that was quite heavy handed from Jacqueline Wilson I'm not sure would be something that she would write in one of her most recent novels yeah uh I mean I just I just hoped in in part of me that the wig was used for a story that it, they weren't making themselves look Chinese in that ballet and I think I approached that with too naive an outlook well i don't think that they were like making their their skin or potentially their eyes look conventionally chinese which would be really not great um i I think that it was probably it probably you know what it's probably it was probably politically incorrect and culturally insensitive i think it probably was culturally insensitive but and yeah uh, Justine though is quite a cool name but yeah Jacqueline <laughs> Wilson really is going for Tracy Beaker she's very proud of it isn't she she fucking loves it um, and then my final reflections were I laughed really hard at the section where everyone kept giving Gemma food and she was so good natured she kept eating it to try and please them and then she chundered on the bolognese which I called lasagna earlier it was bolognese I'm sorry um and then the other two times I laughed out loud was when um, <laughs> when Gemma used the insult, Yabu sucks to her. Yeah, there's some really... I love some of these insults that she, she uses. And, like, they don't... They're, they're very... It's almost like everything is very childlike apart from the insults, which could have been written by the 1920s. Yeah. And then... And then Grandad referred to Flora after the cake incident as Flora Cake Face, and it really made me laugh. Like, it's just such dead banter, which I found very funny. Uh, I like... I like... Uh, I like the Grandad. He seems like, he seems like a, a chill bloke. Lovely chap. I'm glad that he, um, he found love in the end. Gemma, also, she also talks about how she prefers her dad like she's like oh you're not supposed to have favorites but i prefer my dad to my mum and i cannot envisage ever slagging my mum off like that is that also like vaguely a little bit sexist because the mum's doing a lot of the like telling off role and the dad gets to sort of like he he gets to be the fun yeah he he gets to be like oh yeah go to scotland yeah go to scotland bitch yeah that's a direct quote from the book that is, yeah. I mean, it's a an interesting turn of phrase, but does does give the book an edge. Yeah, but that that's. I think that's mostly my reflections on on best friends. I really, really enjoyed reading it. Actually, I do. I do have a theory, and I mentioned this in the last podcast, the last episode, that Jacqueline Wilson does deal with things uh, that, and she does write these books that. If they, I feel like if they were written by a man and they were written for a male character, they would have a lot more critical acclaim and, dare I say, I, there would be West End adaptations of the books. <laughs> because, like, I think it's just... I mean, OK, I think H- Hetty Feather was adapted for the West End, but I feel like 
she gets a lot of plaudits for what she does but I think almost because she has these very feminine books and they are aimed at children uh, they're sort of overlooked um, I mean I think which, she's done pretty well she's done pretty well but I, I do think that there are there are books that are about that are children's books that are embraced by adults and the right, critical right. elite a lot more yeah yeah that's fair enough yeah yeah uh, so yeah I think there could you know what I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, a lot of literary analysts out there they're looking at James Joyce they're looking at uh, other authors other books yeah other authors <laughs> uh, I can't think of any but they're yeah they're Charles looking at Carraway uh, they're looking at they're looking at Fitzgerald Adam how about Jackie have a little look at Jackie. Have a little look at Jackie. See what uh, she's got to say for herself. Have you? Is there any books that aren't Jacqueline Wilson that you've read recently and you're like, yeah, this is a great book that you've recommend? Yeah. I can't stop waxing lyrical about this book that I just read called The Overstory by Richard Powers. It's about um, loads of things, but essentially about the transience of humankind and how we're going to be outlasted by trees. And I found it like a very sort of like existentially liberating book and... Um, in like thoroughly engaging and just brilliant everyone has to read it the overstory richard powers okay we'll check it out and have you got anything to promote anything that you would like everyone to have you got a book of yourself i wish i had a book of myself uh just follow me on twitter at, or, or and instagram at chloe pets surname is papa echo tango tango sierra um and like anything I'm doing, I'll pop on there. I think we're getting some gigs back in that, so just just yeah. come through and check them out. And if you if you don't see them on there, you'll see them on the Sitting Bourne Gossip website. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Jacqueline Wilson Fan Club. If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe and give us five stars. And don't stop there. You can just tell everyone you've ever met or everyone you ever encounter to listen to the show. If you want to join in the conversation you can find me on social media at diary of a maddie this show has been produced by jenny kasnar